And like, there's a bit here where like, you know, Mary's getting left behind as they leave for, um, you know, for Minas Tirith and Eowyn rides by and she's in disguise. But like, she does very much pick up Mary with one arm while he's fully armored and heave him onto her horse. It's like, oh, so she is that strong. <laughs> Eowyn's jacked. Eowyn's jacked. Eowyn's jacked. I'm an Eowyn truther. She's jacked. Listen, it's canon. How else do you think she hacked through that that fell beast's entire head in like two swings? She's shredded. She fucking rules. Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm a shockingly tolerable inside of a volcano. And this week, we finish our journey to Mordor with The Lord of the Rings Return to the King. Before we return home with massive amounts of PTSD, remember you can help us on Mortified the Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Layla. Aaron. What did you think of the end of the Lord of the Rings? I'll tell you what I thought about the end of the Lord of the Rings. Um, I thought this movie was the best one of the three. I had a great time. This one had me all three hours. Um, Good. I will need you to help me unpack how I feel about the ending. Yeah, no, I'm glad to talk through it because I did. Yeah, I mean, the ending is um interesting. It's a to choice. To say the least. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, I think there's like kind of three major plots here. So I figured we would break them into the Frodo slash Sam slash, uh, Gollum plot, the Pippin Gandalf Denethor plot, and then the Aragorn slash Eowyn slash whatever they're doing plot. And then we'd kind of go and, and we'll hit the ending. But how does that sound? That sounds great. Um... Can I call dibs on the Denethor plot? Because I have things to say about that. Excellent. <laughs> I'm very glad that you had a strong reaction to Denethor. Um, that's sucks. That's good. Um, I guess I'll start with uh, with Frodo then. Please do. Um, this is kind of the main one. Uh, you know, our boys, Frodo and Sam, they're trying to get to uh, the Black, uh, not the Black Gate, the Mount Doom. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You're trying to throw this ring into the fire, uh, explode it, uh, save the world. Um, however, the, the tricky, evil, nasty man, Gollum, he's still with them and he's even trickier and nastier than before. And he, uh, wants to lead them to a trap at the hidden staircase of Kirith Ungul. Um, and, um, he's almost got him, but then Sam hears him saying this plan out loud. Uh, and Sam is like, Hey, Frodo, he's clearly trying to murder us. And Frodo's like, man, you just gotta let, you gotta let Gollum be, buddy. Um, I'm clearly projecting onto him. Can you be cool about it's it? It's almost like he's a little guy and I'm a little guy and we just have a little guy kinship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but what what Gollum does to trick uh, Frodo into abandoning Sam is that he takes all of their Lembus bread, like elven bread, and he like throws it off a cliff and then sprinkles some crumbs on Sam. And then when Sam wakes up the next morning, he's like, oh no, we don't have any bread. Um, Gollum's like, hey, why are there crumbs on your jacket? That's a little sus. Um, and Frodo's like, wow, Sam, I can't believe you would betray me. I know that we've only met this nasty man for like 
uh you know a week i don't know it's probably it's probably much longer than that but it only seems like a week in the films um and he's like what well, sam i guess i'm just gonna have to abandon you and hang out with Gollum." and sam is very sad about that um understandably so um and you know they they seem to split ways for a bit um, but then they go to, to Kirith Ungol, and Frodo's immediately attacked by a big spider who is also a hot lady. Um, we don't see the hot lady version in this one, but just know that the spider is a hot lady. Um, anyway, um, he barely escapes, but Smeagol uh, slash Gollum also tries to kill him. So it's like, man, I guess we can't trust that dude. Um, and he gets he gets got, he gets wrapped up by the spider. Um, but then Sam shows back up. He's got the sword. He uh, he doesn't kill Sheila, but I don't think I think he wounds her enough to like make Sheila run away. Um, and that's what makes him he's able to save Frodo. But it looks like Frodo's dead because he got venomed. Um, so then Sam, uh, you know, is like really sad. But then he hears some orcs come and the orcs are like, hey, this dude ain't dead. Uh, we're going to take him back to our tower and torture him because that's what we do for fun. Um, and Sam follows them, rescues Frodo. Uh, turns out that Sam had taken the ring for safekeeping. Uh, he gives it back to Frodo after a tense moment. Um, and then, uh, you know, they they make their final hike up the side of Mount Doom. Um, the armies of Mortar get drawn away because of what happens in the Aragorn plot. Uh, basically, they walk up the side of the mountain uh, Gollum's there again. What's up? Uh, he jumps them, uh, but Frodo and Sam make a final mad dash to get into uh, Mount Doom, right? And then it's like, uh-oh, what's going on? What's going to happen? Sam gets there. Frodo is standing inside the the big, um, you know, the caldera. I don't think it's technically a caldera, but whatever. It's the inside of a volcano. Uh, and he's standing. He's got the ring. He's holding it over the lava. And Sam's like, throw it in. And Frodo's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, he puts the ring back on, you know, everything seems like it's all for nothing. Uh, Frodo's clearly, you know, become fully corrupted, but thankfully that tricky little guy Gollum, still following them, jumps onto Frodo, bites his finger off. Metal's um, Metal's Very good. Help. Listen, this, this story does not pull punches, which you have to respect. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they topple over the side. Frodo is able to snatch onto the ledge, but Gollum fully falls into the lava um he burns to death um and that explodes the ring uh and that's that's the end you know uh Sorum's defeated um you know and sam and frodo uh have to escape they basically you know they're like well we're pretty much fucked because the, the the volcano explodes as soon as the ring goes in it and like there's just lava everywhere there's just like rivers of lava and sam and frodo are just kind of like lying on a rock together and just like man i uh i guess this is the end and frodo's like yeah it seems like it and sam's like by the way i'm thinking about a girl right now not you just so (laughs) you know uh and frodo's like sure buddy i love you so much and sam's like i love you too uh and then some eagles come and save them yeah um i uh samwise gamgee probably my favorite character in this whole flick uh in, in in the trilogy um, I love that when he goes to rescue Frodo um, from the orcs, it, one of my favorite shots is him with his two swords making himself bigger like a predator and shaking his swords and like grunting so that the shadow on the wall makes him seem bigger. And you see the orcs kind of start backing away and then this tiny hobbit ru- rounds the corner and they get real confident after mm-hmm. that. And then he just owns them and he's like, this is for my dad, you dweebs, and throws them off the side. Yeah. Um. <laughs> It's pretty good. 
Um, yeah, I mean, like, overall, how, how did you feel about the, you know, the Frodo arc? I, it was just a beautiful little gay rom-com. Uh, you know, it was great. Uh, I do think that if you are going to throw a ring into Mordor, uh, or, not, sorry, into Mount Doom, um, I do think that there should be a ring bearer as Frodo, and then I think there should be a ring bearer pusher. I have made this argument before. I'm making it again. I love Frodo, and I love Sam. And I, I would I would be sad to see Frodo pushed into the lava. But if your friend is corrupted by the evil ring and there is quite that much riding on destroying the ring, you got to push him in. You got to push him yeah, in. Yeah. For the greater really good, you got to push him in. needs to be like uh, the opposite of a designated survivor. <laughs> where it's like, listen, if you have one person who is, you know, tasked with destroying an evil artifact, you have to have the person who is standing right next to them with a pickaxe at all times ready to cave their skull in if the artifact corrupts them. Give it um, fucking, give it some, some stakes, you know, let it, let them know. Like, yeah, you could be corrupted or you could, you could die. So throw it in. Toss the mm-hmm. ring in, because, you know, Frodo says the ring is mine and puts it on, and thank God Spiegel bit his finger off, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Metal as Hell movie. Um, Pretty good, IMO. I mean, I, th- I think it's nice, and, and we'll talk about how, where they, they end up at the end, but... You know, I, I think overall this, like, arc works pretty well. You know, we get Smeagol, like, becoming the, the person who, like, kind of has hounded them through the entire story. Um, and, like, there's there's a line in Fellowship where, you know, Frodo's like, man, I wish he had died. And then Gandalf's like, oh, I don't know about that, buddy. Maybe he'll be useful. Um, you know, maybe, maybe he still has a part to play in this story. And, you know, obviously that foreshadows this moment. Um, and, like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that I, I feel like we should keep you know, e- evil murderers alive who keep following us just because they might one day be useful. I don't know that that's maybe the best tack to take, but, um, you know, I, th- I think that ultimately, right, it shows, like, the the discrepancy between, like, somebody who is, like, trying their best and, and un- unfortunately gets corrupted versus somebody who's, like, very willing to, you know, engage in the evil that the ring asks of, of you um, and how, you know, there, there's kind of, like, nuances in, in between that, um, but ultimately, you're right. I think Sam is the emotional core of the story. It's just like his undying loyalty to Frodo, even in the face of his corruption. That's kind of that's kind of the whole ball game. That's kind of the whole ball game in it, and that's what that's what kind of gets us through. Uh, there's some beautiful, just like uh, uh, the actors all just give incredible performances throughout this whole movie. Like a lot of the fa- the close up face acting that both Sam and Frodo do in these really tense moments is really great. Um, you really get a sense of, like, tension and heartbreak and, like, the the push and pull of the forces affecting them in a much more nuanced way than, um, say, Luke Skywalker being cast in half-shadow. Uh, to show that he's struggling with the dark side of the force, which yeah, is a moment. Yeah, Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars is a lot of things. Nuance is not one of them. I was gonna say a moment I love. Right, objectively, I like both of these things, but it's just in you know. The nuance was uh, refreshing, um, mm-hmm. even though I love being bludgeoned every once in a while. Anyway, let's talk about my, my boys, Pippin, Gandalf, and Denethor. Well, Denethor's not my boy. Pippin and Gandalf are. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So after the defeat of Saruman and his tower, uh, Gandalf uh, finds Merry and Pippin getting high at Isengard, as the fucking lord intended. Uh, they're standing there. They're like, oh, we're not just getting high. We're getting high, parentheses, celebratory um because they <laughs> defeated saruman so they get to party with the ants right mm-hmm. uh so uh gandalf scenes uh the palantir the the seeing stone the orb that saruman had 
Uh, Pippin wants to look at it, uh, but Gandalf says, no, you dipshit, uh, give it to me, please. And he tries to safekeep it, he even sleeps with it, but Pippin is too curious. And he takes out the palantir, and he looks at it, and then Saruman, or Sauron knows where the fuck they are, and he thinks that Pippin has the ring. So right. Merry and Pippin have to be separated now, mm-hmm. because in getting discovered, uh, Pippin also finds out that uh, Sauron's next fucking move is to take the capital of Gondor, uh, Minas Tirith. Uh, which I would like to give a shout out to Aaron, who <laughs> can now predict when I'm going to get frustrated and confused. And in his notes, is like, okay, Layla, it's the capital of Gondor. <laughs> Listen, there's just some stuff that, like, if you did not read the books or, like, do not have not watched these movies before, you're going to be like, that means nothing to me. I don't know what Gondor is. I've met one Gondorian. His name is Boromir. And then I met his brother. His name is Faramir. And they both sucked. So I don't care about them. <laughs> Yeah, I did piece together that it was the capital of Gondor before I read that, but I did appreciate the tooltip. It was great. I was like, oh, confirmed. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. Um, yeah, so so Gandalf and Pippin are now off to Minas Tirith. Uh, Mary stays behind uh, with the, the Rohan gang. When they arrive at Minas Tirith, they meet Denethor, the steward of the Gondorian throne, uh, who is not thrilled that they allowed Boromir to die. Uh, Gandalf, right before this moment, actually says to Pippin, hey, don't open your fucking mouth because he cannot find out literally anything, including that Boromir died. And then he, they walk in and he's holding Boromir's horn. Which is cleaved in half. And he's like, yeah, so what's up? <laughs> well, are you here to tell me how my son died? Uh, Pippin stupidly swears himself into his service at this point. <laughs> you mm-hmm. can see Gandalf behind him just withering. Um, it's it's great. Uh, so anyway, uh, this turns out, uh, just coming to Denethor uh, turns out to be a terrible idea because Denethor genuinely sucks ass. Uh, and... Uh, oh my god, I need, to, I need to highlight shit because I am still not 100% here. Thank you. Yes. Uh, so Faramir, meanwhile, because um, Denethor sucks ass. Meanwhile, uh, Faramir, our, our Gondorian friend that we've met in a previous film, uh, loses control of the city of Osgiliath. Is that how you pronounce that? Osgiliath. Osgiliath. <laughs> fucking Tolkien. Thank, thank you, Tolkien. <laughs> There's a <laughs> sidebar. I love how Tolkien creates all these intricate languages you know like creates separate you know um you know alphabets for all these fucking fantasy creatures you know osgiliath like a beautiful and difficult to pronounce name uh-huh. um and then there's also named orcs and i was like looking up because i was like oh what's the name of this one orc commander because i thought it was like tumor face or some shit <laughs> um but i did find out that the orc that um tries to kill frodo in the tower is literally named Shagrat. Which, like, hey, Tolkien, words have meanings. I know that that's... <laughs> you can't just say that, dude. Shagra. You can't do this dude so dirty. <laughs> that's worse than a worm tongue. Yeah, uh, seriously. <laughs> anyway, Faramir loses control of us, Gilead, uh, which is the gateway to, into Gondor on the river. Uh, Denethor uh, orders his shitty no-good son that he hates, who he wishes was dead, and tells him to his face wishes was dead instead of Boromir. Ouchie, ouchies. Um, yeah, daddy issues. Like, not even subtle here. Ooh. Well, he reorders his uh, remaining son to retake the city, even though it's swarming with orcs and it's a feudal fucking death march. Um, 
in order to please his father, uh, Faramir does lead this doomed assault on Osgiliath, in which he is the only survivor, though he is grievously wounded. Uh, um, so I, I want to get your thoughts on the scene that like that happens while the the charge is like being made. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you one? How did you feel about Pippin's song? Lovely. It's a lovely song. Yeah, it's one of my favorite uh, scenes of this movie. Two, how do you feel about Denethor's uh, eating? <laughs> Had to remind me. I watched that today, didn't you? How do I feel about Denethor's eating? It's is iconic. There, is there a need to bite into a tomato so bad it squirts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's great. This is like the grossest eating scene in cinema to date, <laughs> it, which is really something. It really took me out. I was like, you know, sometimes we get into villains and the villains do something needlessly evil, like, I don't know, kick a dog or something. And we're like, we right. get it. Mm-hmm. That was it was this. I was watching this. I was like, I get it. He's terrible. I don't mm-hmm. need to be he watching this. He has no manners. Look at him squirting this tomato everywhere <sighs> while his son dies. This guy sucks so bad. He anyway. sucks so, so bad. Um, Speaking of him sucking, uh, when he sees Faramir and Pippin is sitting next to Faramir screaming like, hey, dude, he's alive. If we get him some medicine, he'll be good. Like we got he's alive. Uh, our boy, uh, Denethor walks away and is just giving this melodramatic speech of like, oh, my line has ended. Oh, woe is me. Both of my sons are dead. And it's kind of like that meme where it's just Pippin in the background going, Faramir's alive. And Faramir like groaning and it's like, I can still hear his voice sometimes. Mm -hmm, He's very much alive. Um, (laughs) so, uh. Denethor decides that he's going to burn himself and uh, his dead-not-dead son, Faramir, um, alive-not-alive. Meep! Not Not a great choice. Uh, Yeah, so this is all happening while the armies of Mordor are laying siege to the city. Uh, Gandalf takes over command of the defending armies while Pippin tries to save Faramir. Uh, Literally, (laughs) this involves uh, getting kicked out, screaming for Gandalf, finding Gandalf, and then looking Mm -hmm. at him going, hey, Denethor's lost his fucking mind! And they have to go and rescue my boy Faramir from the pyre, literally covered in oil when they get in there, uh, and Denethor does burn alive, uh, and frankly, deserved. Actually, I'm sorry, he didn't burn alive. No. He burned alive and then ran off a cliff. Right, no, it's great throws himself off the edge of this, like, enormous fucking, like, plinth or tower sort of deal, the central pillar of Minas Tirith. It's awesome. You know what? What a way to go. Uh, anyway, he sucks, and I was happy to see him die. He was terrible. Not a great dude. Um, yeah, so uh, once the uh, battle for for the city is over, the pair of them rush to... St- uh, no, 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 no. Anyway, so Faramir is saved. Uh, Denethor flings himself off the edge of the cliff, as we said, and so Pippin and Gandalf meet up with Aragorn and company to attack the Black Gate. Aragorn? Yeah. Does not arrive alone, though. You want to tell us uh, who Aragorn's got with him? Yeah, so I think the Aragorn part of this story is, like, not that interesting. Um, it's it's visually fun, but, like, basically... <laughs> so Aragorn's the rightful king of Gondor, right? Um, you know, Denethor is the steward, but technically the throne belongs to Aragorn's family, you know, monarchies, who gives a shit? Um, but like, you know, they're, they've just got back from the battle of Helm's Deep, you know, the Theoden, the king of Rohan, the horse people, uh, he's like, hey, Theoden, maybe you should help Gondor, because they're about to get their shit wrecked, and Theoden's like, no. 
Um, but then uh, Pippin lights some beacons, and then Thanon's like, well, okay. I guess if they're asking for help, then we'll come. Uh, and he gets a big horse army together, and they all go down to help uh, fight at Minas Tirith. But Aragorn's like, man... This is, like, not that many people. Oh, we're going to need so many more people to defeat Sauron. Um, however, uh, Elrond, who is the king of the elves and also Aragorn's hot ex-GF's dad, um, uh, basically Arwen was like, hey, I'm so sad about my boyfriend that you made me broke up, break up with, but I know you can see the future. What future did you see for me and him? And he's like uh and then she's like i know you saw a son uh he's like yeah i guess you would have a son Uh, and then she's like daddy i'm not leaving until you um reforge this sword and bring it to my boyfriend uh and also my soul is tied to the fate of middle earth now so so you better win this battle i don't know what the fuck's going on there (laughs) huh i'm sure there is like a lore reason but it's weird it's weird to do that (laughs) I don't know. It's, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna look it up while you keep reading. Yeah, please do. It's probably very stupid. Anyway, um, Elrond's like, fine. He he reforges the legendary broken sword Narsil into uh, Anduril, Flame of the West. Uh, he gives it to Aragorn. He's like, by the way, Aragorn, uh, this is a secret fact that you'd probably um, know, but none of the audience knew, which is that a long time ago, uh, one of your ancestors needed help um, from a bunch of dudes, uh, and they betrayed him. So he cursed them, and now there's an immortal ghost army living in this mountain. And if you have this sword, you could command them. And Aragorn's like, pretty convenient. Thanks, dude. He and uh, Orlando Bloom and Gimli all go to find the ghost army. The ghost army's like, hey, we don't take orders from no, no, you know, stinky ranger. Uh, and Aragorn's like, I'm actually your king. Uh, so if you fight for me, I'll, I'll release you from your oath and you can stop being undead. And they're like, okay, I guess that makes sense. So they they go to travel to to the battle at uh, at Minas Tirith. Meanwhile, Theoden uh, won't let Eowyn, who is his niece, um, you know, fight one because she's a girl, and two, he expects to die in this battle, so he needs somebody to rule uh, his kingdom after he dies. Uh, but Eowyn is like, I would prefer to fight. Um, and she also, Mary is ended up with them. So she's like, hey, Mary, why don't you come with me? And we'll go fight together. And Mary's like, sick, awesome. And, like, there's a bit here where, like, you know, Mary's getting left behind as they leave for, um, you know, for Minas Tirith. And Eowyn rides by and she's in disguise. But, like, she does very much pick up Mary with one arm while he's fully armored and heave him onto her horse. It's like, oh, so she is that strong. <laughs> Eowyn's jacked. Eowyn's jacked. Eowyn's jacked. I'm an Eowyn truther. She's jacked. Listen, it's canon. How else do you think she hacked through that, that fell beast's entire head in like two swings? She's shredded. She fucking rules. Um, yeah, anyway, she's great. Um, they go um, to fight. Also, Aragorn like kind of break. They had like a thing going on in movie two. But Aragorn's like, yeah, this isn't going to work, um, which is brutal. I, I wish Eowyn didn't get done so dirty. I don't know if this happens in the books, but it does happen in the films. And, it, and, it, and it's sad. Um, rip to our queen. Um, <clears throat> anyway, she and all the other writers of Rohan take part in this big battle, uh, which is like one of my like favorite, you know, combat scenes in, in any movie. There's just like this huge horse, this cavalry charge where Theoden gives this really cool speech. You know, they plow over the orcs. They're all completely routed. 
and then we get the Momokil scene um, where the Haradrim bring in their war elephants and like it seemed like you had what was your response to this Layla because it seemed you said you didn't like it in some ways I just don't like it. listen why the fuck did it have to be elephants why did you have to do that elephants are great they have great memories they bond with people I don't want to watch elephant violence it's the same reason I didn't want to watch whale violence James Cameron I just I get it but they could have looked a little bit less like actual elephants I just felt sad <laughs> Yeah, I'm firmly on the elephant side here. <laughs> I, I I think that uh, there's just such a good bit in this movie where like Thaden reforms his cavalry line and they recharge the elephants and like the epic music like comes to a peak and then it cuts out entirely as the elephants whoop their asses they for like a solid minute. <laughs> they get destroyed. It ruled. Mm-hmm. Honestly. I- like this this scene is why elephants are my favorite animal i think in a lot of ways because i was just like elephants are are fucking cool and they're like pretty close to being persons so like uh yeah i i really badly there was like a there is a printed miniature um of a of a momokil that like costs like to get the file alone costs thirty dollars um, and to get like the actual print, it costs like a hundred. And I really badly want to get it because I, I really want a Mermakill mini so badly. Um, but like, yeah, they're they're just so cool. Um, and I, you know, I want to write a book that that features these in some way because I love them so much. And I wish that they uh, didn't get done so dirty because you know Aragorn shows up with his ghost army and like the ghosts just like literally climb up the elephants and eat them. Uh, and it's like, ah, oh, come on, it's sad. Uh, also, uh, Eowyn kills the Witch King of Angmar, who is, like, the Lord of the Nazgul. Um, this is this is the, like, for me, I was like, oh, this is feminism. This is my first feminist moment in my life. Where I was like, at nine years old, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I guess girls can fight. Cool. Um, because, you know, this is a guy who's like, I can't be killed by any mortal man. Like, Pippin, or uh, Mary stabs him in the back, and it, like, twists his, like, sword all up, and it, like, burns his arm, and Mary falls over, and he's like, ah, um... But like a- Aowen is like, I'm not a man, I'm a girl boss, and stabs him in the head, explodes in the, him. In the it's fucking great. face hole. It's cool. It was great. It's cool. Uh, it's great. Also, did think Mary was gonna die for a second. Yeah. Uh, it was very, very dicey. But no, my boy makes it. It's all good. Uh, would you mm-hmm. like to know why why Arwen's fate is tied to the ring? <sighs> all right, I'm taking off my glasses. Why is that? Okay, so. This is kind of a movie-only thing uh, in the sense that uh, Aragorn in the books had already decided to take back his rightful place as king, uh, Mm -hmm. but was just, like, waiting for the right moment to do it. In the movies, he was still being a wishy-washy poor little Mm meow-meow. And so what happens is Arwen makes the decision to become mortal and join him, and she makes the decision, therefore, to come back. Because she has given up her immortality... The evil that is affecting all the elves, because she no longer has the light of the whatever uh, protecting her. Even star, yeah. No, it's not the even star. It's something else. There's the, okay. Uh, I have no idea. Her her papa says it. It's another name of a. It's another proper noun. Mm-hmm. Because the proper noun thing is no longer protecting her. Uh, the other elves are like, eh, eh, I'm sick, and that's why they have to go to the Undying Lands. But she's mortal now, so she starts fucking dying. Um, and that is why her papa goes to Aragorn and is like, if you don't decide to be king and fix this, my daughter dies. And that is the catalyst for him becoming king again. Huh. Yeah. 
That is not something that I caught in many, many times having watched these films, mm-hmm. but sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's dumb. It's not not a choice I would have made. I mean, <laughs> you know, you can only have one girl boss doing some face stabbing. Right, right. Um, anyway, you know, the, the big um, arm, armies of Mordor are defeated, um, RIP. Um, then they all kind of get together, and Aragorn's like, listen, we don't have enough troops to actually defeat Mordor, but what we can do is distract Sauron um, and and buy Frodo and Sam some time. So they take their tiny little army out to, to get owned by Mordor. You know, all of the, the orcs and trolls had come out and they are getting ready to, to squash Aragorn, uh, but that leaves the way open for Sam and Frodo, who, as we said earlier, are able to scamper on up and destroy the ring. So uh, it all works out. Um, and it's great. Mm-hmm. And then we get the ending of the film. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Aragorn is crowned king of Gondor. He gets to marry his hot elf girlfriend, and they all bow to the four hobbits, which was a very cool time. Pippin is the only one enjoying the attention. Everyone else is just, like, <laughs> aghast. Like, oh, God, please, they're all looking at us. But Pippin's like, hell yeah, I'm a fucking war hero. <laughs> that and also, like, okay, if we were just, like, peasants hanging out in the crowd, you know, just, like, cheering the win, um... At what point in Aragorn and Arwen's making out would you also be like, okay, can we go though? Yeah, no, because it <laughs> I, for me it was instant. I was like, they he like goes in for it, like there's a pause and he goes for it. I was like, oh, that's a little much. And like e- after like second eight, even Elrod's just kind of like, <laughs> all right, please, this is my daughter. You are in public. <laughs> uh oh my god. Uh, quick sidebar. So. I went to a wedding when I was a youth. Uh, this sure. is a family wedding. And mm-hmm. um, they did the, the um, what is the thing called? The the thing around that goes around the thigh? Oh, the, um, it's not a, it's not a garland. It's no, like a. Oh my a God, we are st- <laughs> Wedding tradition. Garter. Le- garter, thank you. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> my excuse is that I just got out of the hospital yesterday for being, Va- valid. For being too high. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, listen, Layla's going Hobbit mode. <laughs> hey, uh, kids, don't do edibles if you're on ADHD meds. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so the husband went under the bride's skirt to get the garter, mm-hmm. and he was under there a bit too fun. Like, he wasn't, like, doing anything, but he was under there uncomfortably long to, like, just, like, play up the bit. Her mm-hmm. father's face was all mm-hmm. of our faces. We yeah, were like, just like, oh my okay. god, there are kids here. Um, Come on. Well, in, in, in everyone's defense, that's a weird thing to do at a wedding. That's a weird it's thing. It's a bad tradition, and we shouldn't do it. We shouldn't do it. Throw in the bouquet, great. Cause first slice of cake, fantastic. The garter shit, over it. No, um, no. But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, the, like the making out. I was like, I would have, I would have snuck off to get barbecue. <laughs> that right. Uh, like not. <laughs> It's so much. Uh, the Hobbits then return home to the Shire. It's been uh, 13 months to the day since they had left. Um, they all get a drink together, uh, but realize that they're so traumatized they can't really enjoy being home right now. 
Um, and then we get a moment of such pure compulsory heterosexuality that it made me laugh. Yeah, the, the spirit of I'm not gay, bro, <laughs> comes over Sam and he stands up and looks at the first woman that's been in this, uh, not in the this first, bar. Not the first woman. It's Rosie Cotton. It's the one he brought up when he was dying on the rock with Frodo. That's what I mean. He's the only Hobbit woman, as far as I know. <laughs> Yeah, it was a real, uh, oh, no, oh, no, we made a gay romance in the Bush era. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, right. So he goes and gets a f- Rosie Cotton. Rosie Cotton, a cutie. Good for him. Sure. Um, a, after four years, Frodo com- completes writing Bilbo's memoir, as well as The Lord of the Rings, an account of his travels with the Fellowship. Um, he travels with all of the other hobbits to send Bilbo off to go to the Undying Lands uh, and... And Gandalf as well, who is, uh, by the way, still an angel. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know what, what Gandalf... Like, Gandalf, you could hang out here. And Gandalf's like, no, I'm retiring. Uh, I don't want to hang out on this cursed planet anymore with all you idiot men. No, goodbye. Yeah, truly. Uh, and then uh, Gandalf turns around and is like, are you ready, Frodo? And then everyone's like, what? And Frodo's like, yeah. oh, I'm leaving too. And he gets on the ship because his wounds are still bothering him, both from uh, getting stabbed by the spider and getting stabbed by the Witch King uh, at Weathertop. Look at me remembering things. Yes, listen, you're already a lore expert. Crushing it out here. Um, he has the longest, most tender goodbye with Sam and on the planet. The most bittersweet moment ever puts a cinema and then gets on the boat. We see him smiling as he leaves for the Undying Lands. A Valinor? Valinor. That sounds right. I wouldn't have been able to pull that. She's learning. There we go. She's learning. Look at mm-hmm. me. Um, I... I don't know how to feel about this ending, right? Because on one hand... Right, because the whole thing of the Lord of the Rings... The whole thing, you know, with, with uh, J.R.R. Tolkien is a, a World War One vet. Like, this is very much... being very honest about like war trauma uh, Mm -hmm. which is what Frodo is experiencing right he's experiencing every year on the anniversary of getting his injuries like he gets uh, these like very visceral physical pains and even though he's not dying of them he knows he can never be at peace um, Mm -hmm. living in the Shire on one hand yeah I guess but on the other hand I do wonder like why not there's, there are other approaches that I'm just not sure why they weren't taken because I'm not sure that Frodo leaving is a satisfying ending, but I'm also not sure if that's because watching this as a person in 2023 is changing. It, it's just, it's just like a, a, this is aged in a weird way. Or maybe because this is supposed to be kind of a fairy tale and him leaving makes more sense. But I feel like with Sam getting the ending of, like, being with his kids and his wife, you very much do. It's not like, you know, how fairy tales end and then you get it happily ever after. And then you don't have to think Mm -hmm. about what happens next. Right. Showing Sam going back to his family after Frodo leaves gives you kind of this weird insight into that post happily ever after that mm-hmm. then makes Frodo departing feel more grounded and, like, more consequential in a way I'm not sure I like. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I can definitely understand that. But, like, I see, I kind of like that, that it that it does feel like Frodo's leaving is is something that, you know, is, is more, more grounded. Because, like, it does show that, like, you know, Sam 
you know, has to move on. Like, you know, he has responsibilities and a family. Um, but also, like, he very deeply cared about someone, and now they're just out of his life forever. Um, and I mean, like, you know, I, I think as like as, as a tone, right? I think there's probably something Tolkien's written about why he makes this choice at the end. But like, you know, tonally, I think this works because like, uh, you know, both like from a hero's journey perspective, right? The journey changes you in a way that like you can never really go back to the old life that you've loved, lived before. Like, okay, I like that as a writing maneuver. But also, like, the fact that, you know, the war changed him so, so much that, like, he, you know, feels like he has to has to keep, you know, going or find something new because, like, he can't also return home because of those reasons. Um, I think that's also interesting um, to think about. And, like, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I kind of like that there is, like, the last shot is Sam just being, like, you know, the person I love the most in the world is gone from me now. And, like, you know, I have a family and kids and stuff. But, like... I'm never gonna, you know, see see this person that I had this wonderful adventure with. I think that kind of makes it hit home more. Like I'm actually, I'm currently reading an audiobook uh, that is about Tolkien and um, C.S. Lewis. It's called um, A Hobbit, A Wardrobe, and a Great War by Joseph Leconte. E. I don't know if he's Italian, but like, um, <clears throat> you know, it talks a lot about how like how how Tolkien just like lost a lot of friends during the war and like how like utterly devastating that was for him. And I think that's kind of why this might be the the end because like he, there is just something about the experience of having lived through something so traumatic uh, that like you, you can't go back that I, I feel like maybe Tolkien is trying to evoke here. Yeah. I, th- yeah, I think that makes me, I think that makes me like it better as a choice. Um, I, it's one of those stories you really can't divorce from the context of the great war. Right. Um, and I feel like that gets lost a lot. And I think it, it also gets lost in like this, this period of time in media that we're living through of this like constant regurgitation of IP, mm-hmm. uh, where like, uh, you are ending up with Lord of the Rings things that are the devoid of that context. And I, I just mm-hmm. don't think you should see Amazon's rings of power. Yeah. It's just, it's that context is so important, right? Because it makes you kind of understand the choice and makes you understand what what was supposed to happen there um yeah i you know it it just goes to show that like something doesn't have to be satisfying narratively to still be effective right right and i mean like that's kind of you know there's a lot of like you know i feel like stories in the last you know 10 years have like demanded no ambiguity and like constant perfect resolution um and like listen i i am often there where i'm just like uh, i wish that i knew how this story ended definitively but like i do want to make space for stories that are just like yeah it's not always a happy ending and it's not always one that that you're going to be completely satisfied with as a reader like you know you don't know what happens to frodo like does he die does he have a happy life does he you know go do weird adventures like i have no idea but, like, uh, I'm kind of glad that, that this movie just kind of leaves off on, like, Frodo has to go, you know, find something for himself that he can't find in the Shire, and Sam has to live with that. Like, I think that is an interesting choice, and it is much more interesting than, like, any Marvel movie, say, <laughs> right? Like, so, you know, I, I like it a lot. Huh, do we have any other thoughts on, on this flick before we move into, uh... I don't know if we have a marketing minute. <laughs> I don't really have a marketing minute, you know. Mm. I I feel like we've we've done a lot, but you know, it's just I'm glad we we're able to get through, you know, the Lord of the Rings. Um, I I hope that this was enjoyable for you. Um, and I, you know, where do you feel like? Would you want to continue this this series with the Hobbit movies? You know, it's funny. 
Uh, no. And I'll tell you why. Excellent. Um, I, I, I think, I think what we just talked about in, in terms of like the, the, the making of Lord of the Rings content devoid of the context of, of the great war. The Hobbit is not a long book. Nope. So they added just a ton of shit to make it three movies. Yep. And I am deeply disinterested in those additions. Um, cause I they just weren't that good when I watched them. <laughs> I just can't imagine they service the, the short story of the fucking Hobbit. Uh, it's like a hundred page novel, isn't it? Like it's short. I don't think it's that short, but like, uh, it's, you know, it's certainly not three films worth of content. Right. The Hobbit. I'm gonna look this up, but like, yeah. Um, I think you're right. Like it is hard to see them as anything but a cash grab. Uh, unfortunately, um, but yeah, it's, um, oh, I don't know. I, yeah, like, I think it's, it's truly like, uh, I do think that these, the, those films in some ways, like are a disservice to this trilogy, which is like so beloved. Um, it's, you know, uh, there are some interesting bits in there. I think there's like an interesting relationship between, um, Martin Th- Freeman's, um, Bilbo and, um, Thorin, like the main dwarf, but like ultimately it is hard to you know 100% commit to this when you know when it just did not need to be uh fucking hours and hours of movies yeah we have plenty of other stuff to watch that i'm not super right. super concerned about missing right. out on this um i feel i feel like if we're going to torture ourselves we should be torturing ourselves for science and i mm-hmm. just don't think there's enough science for us to to uh, explore here um mm. Uh, for context, the Hobbit is uh, the first edition was three hundred and ten pages. So oh, there you it's go. Not, yeah. It's not that short, but not still, that short, but still did not did not not three movies worth of pages. No, not three movies worth of pages certainly. So I think I think we're okay, and I think we'll. So we uh, this is uh, our our series of series for longtime listeners. We we pick a franchise and we just do one a month from that franchise, which means it's time for us to pick a new franchise. We have some ideas, but if you have suggestions, we are always happy to hear them at mortifiedpod at gmail.com, or you can drop us a comment on our YouTube. Um, we always respond to those. So, yeah, good stuff there. Uh, great. Do you want to take us out? Yeah, Layla, when we are not um, praising the virtues of ambiguity, where can we be found on the internet? You can find me at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Twitter and Tumblr. I'm just just it's all vibes right now I might write an essay about um I think I brought this up earlier I might I might write something about Tears of the Kingdom and uh, Breath of the Wild and just in terms of like how even small adjustments to the gameplay loop uh made them games for two completely different audience which I think is a really fascinating study in sequels um but uh not completely different different but overlapping but yeah otherwise just you know vibes what about you um you can find me on Twitter at AaronSXL, where I tweet about tabletop RPGs, health policy, and writing. I also, my main site is aavoit.com. Um, I do another podcast with my friends Michael and Josh that's at The Bible Boys, where we talk about Christian media. We are finishing up our History Channel um, Bible mini-series. Um, we just covered the episode about um, Jonathan and David, uh, the you know one of the iconic gay couples in the Bible, so happy Pride, everyone. Uh, check that out if that sounds interesting to you. Our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla, um, after our our completion of the third age of uh, the Middle Earth franchise, how do you want to end this podcast? 
Aaron, I gotta let you know, the age of man is over. The time of the orc has come. Amen. We'll see you all next time.